Why, Steve Shives, I hate you so much that I might love you? Oh, yeah? No, dude, yeah? you're supposed to be you, doing but, tropes. You, oh, 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 okay. Um, well, I don't love you, Harding. <laughs> yes, you do, because I... I caught you raiding my panty drawer, which is an absolutely valid excuse in a romantic comedy movie. No, you. we aren't going to work out because I'm a scoundrel, and... I love scoundrels! I, I'm going to insult you in a really hurtful personal way now. Okay. Okay? You're fat, and you're ugly, and you have a personality no one could ever possibly tolerate for more than a few minutes at a time. Kiss me, you fool! Um, okay. That was just to get you to kiss me. Mother, I do not need a blind date, particularly not with some verbally incontinent spinster who smokes like a chimney, drinks like a fish, and dresses like her mother. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good, isn't it, Steve? Uh, I guess, yeah. Sort of. Well, well, what movie are we doing for our late Valentine's Day show? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, of course, we're doing a romantic comedy, and uh. we're, we're doing that romantic comedy based on that best-selling novel um, from I what like god 20 years ago oh god it's been 20 years uh, just about. yeah just about uh, of course what else but Bridget Jones's diary Yay! Yay! It's made by the same people who brought us love actually yeah great this is death. It's this so nice death. to. It's so nice whenever we review a movie that feels like it was made just for me. <laughs> hey Steve. Yeah. Do you have any fun time trivia for this romantic comedy movie that we watched? I do. I do. Hooray! So. Uh, Wrap it in a nice box. I, with <laughs> flowers and candy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Renee Zellweger kind of went full De Niro to prepare for this role. Did she, she? Yeah, she did. Not only everybody knows that she gained weight. She gained. She, she gained so much weight that she looked like a normal person. <laughs> I know, right? She she gained so much weight that she looked like a normal, very attractive person. That's right. Uh, but anyway, she gained weight for it, which everybody already knows. But she also got a job at a publishing agency under an assumed name and worked there for a month to research because that's Bridget's job at the beginning of the movie. Boy, that paid off yeah. because the, <laughs> the, the level that they paid attention to her job in the it's movie like, is really important. It's like, what about when you read this script? What about that script made you as an actor go, oh, I need to research this? Like, yeah. But anyway. I have a scene where I'm a cabbie. I better <laughs> do four weeks of research. <laughs> I've really got to get this right. Um, but while she was working at this agency, um, nobody knew who she was, or I guess most people maybe didn't recognize her and she kept a framed photo on her desk of her boyfriend at the time which at back then was Jim Carrey but people making poor choices I know right <laughs> but since her co-workers didn't recognize her they just thought uh -huh. she was some weirdo with a Jim Carrey obsession right, <laughs> who just had right. a picture of Jim Carrey at her desk um, also and we, we talked about this right before we started recording this movie uh, spawned two sequels 
Uh, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, which came out a few years later, which I didn't see, but I remember hearing about. And then uh, another movie called Bridget Jones's Baby, which I swear, yeah. to, which I swear to God, I did not even know existed until and there's a fourth movie coming. Yeah, you that, you you just told me that, and I hadn't heard about Bridget that either. Bridget Jones's Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> the Bridget Jones supremacy. Bridget Jones Annihilation. <laughs> Bridget Jones Ultimatum. Um, but and and so I had no idea that that third movie even existed. It only came out a few years ago, and I completely missed it. Um, but because of that, Bridget Jones is uh, is a trilogy, and all three movies in the trilogy were directed by women and sadly tragically i can think of few more damning indictments of our popular culture than this it's the only film trilogy to date where all three films were directed by women that sucks Uh, yeah that's does that sucks in every way it's Um, also the only romantic comedy trilogy yes the only romantic comedy trilogy to date as well so soon to be a romantic comedy quadrology i suppose if they're making a fourth Quadrilogy, quad, whatever. Four. There's going to be four of them. They're so. going to have a four-way. <sighs> Bridget Jones's four-way. That's right. That could be the movie. Anyway, that's my trivia. Okay. Well, I don't have anything, so let's get into the who made. This. Okay, let's do it. Okay, you ready? It was directed by Sharon McGuire. What else has she done? Nothing. What has she directed else? Bridget Jones's baby. Good for you, Sharon. Yes. Yeah. Get that Bridget Jones money while you can. <sighs> produced by Tim Bevan, who's produced so many goddamn things, including like all the Cohen films. Eric Fellner, who produced Cats, oh, which we'll be reviewing in about 10 years. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And Jonathan Cavendish. Who cares? I don't. Do you care? <laughs> no one fucking cares. Who cares what he's done? Oh, somewhere. I'll tell you what he's done. Nothing. Jonathan Cavendish is listening to this show and a single tear just ran down his cheek. I want more than one tear. I demand my quart. (laughs) I want him to be bawling. I want him to be sobbing. His family comes into the room and says, Daddy, are you okay? What's wrong? Did Grandma die? Hey, Jonathan Cavendish, why are you named after a villain in Scarlet Pump like the Scarlet Pimpernel? (laughs) Fuck. also, also the gang that uh, tried to kill the Lone Ranger, the Cavendish gang. Oh, the Cavendish gang. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They're all named after, they, they traveled in a bunch, like bananas. <laughs> that's a thinker. That's a thinker right there. <sighs> Someone's going to Google that and they'll laugh their ass off. He just, he just made that up. That wasn't Screen in the script. Play. That's right. Screenplay by Richard Curtis. Stop it. Just stop, Richard. Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> we reviewed his other, the other movie, Love Actually. He's too. He just keeps writing romantic comedies. Yeah, he does. Andrew Davies, who did a lot of British TV, Helen Fielding, um, who uh, wrote all of the the books. These yeah. are all. This is all based on books. Yeah. <sighs> None of it's original. Why are we even doing it? It's not... Every every one of these romantic comedies is the same, Steve. It's all the same tropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. They hate each other. There's a misunderstanding. Someone falls in love with someone after spending five minutes with them. It's just like... (laughs) I just can't. How come we can't have a romantic comedy that goes something like this? One person lowers their expectations way low, and another person takes advantage of that. They get married, and they're both miserable for the rest of their lives. Where's that romantic comedy? 
<laughs> and it's funny. And it's just like my mom and dad. <laughs> God. Why can't they make a romantic comedy about my life? Ah, based on Bridget Jones' Diary by Helen Fielding. There. Starring <laughs> Renee Zellweger as Bridget Jones. She was in Jerry Maguire and mm-hmm. Cold Mountain and Chicago and all the other Bridget Jones' movies. And, and that's that's everything, right? I think, wasn't she, at the beginning of her career, wasn't she in one of the Texas Chainsaw sequels, too, I think? Yeah, she was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, yeah. The New Generation. Yeah, that was like one of her, I think that might have been her big break, so. And yeah. she was in, wasn't she in, uh, you know, never mind, I don't care. <laughs> A guy from Austin. I don't know. <laughs> Dazed, wasn't she in Days and Confused? Was briefly, she? Maybe. In a, in a non-speaking role in the background, being attacked by a dog. I don't know. <laughs> Girl attacked by dog. Hey, Steve. <laughs> yeah. The studio wanted other people to play this part. It did? Yeah. Get ready. Oh, boy. This is the longest one since we did The Graduate. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. Pat, they also asked and considered Patricia Arquette. Rosanna Arquette, <laughs> Julie Benz, Juliette Binoche, Selma Blair, wow. Kate Blanchett, Saffron Burroughs, Helen Bonham Carter. Yeah, yeah, okay, wait, I gotta stop there. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Yeah, she would have to eat half the world to gain 10 pounds. So I don't know how, <laughs> unless you were just gonna cast her like that and say, God, she's fat. Yeah, just make like the completely nonsensical fat jokes. Oh wait, I'm not even a quarter way through. Oh boy, Tony Collette, Cameron Diaz, Amanda Donahoe, Claire For- uh, Forlani, wow. Rachel Griffiths, Elizabeth Hurley, Nicole Kidman, Alex Kingston, Lucy Lawless. Wow. I would watch the shit out of this movie if it was Lucy Lawless. Yeah, totally. And I can see why because she seems to be heavy compared to the I don't know shambling skeletons with with skin on them that they're used to in England, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Sophie Marceau, Catherine wow. McCormick, Janet McTeer, Emily uh, Mortimer, Julia Armand, Sally Phillips, Jolie Richardson, wow. Miranda Richardson, <laughs> Nicolette Sheridan, Tilda Swinton. Wow. Tilda Swinton! <laughs> this would have gotten a... I would have watched the shit out of this if it was Tilda Swinton. Kristen Scott Thomas, Emma Thompson, Emily Watson, Naomi Watts, Rachel White, Olivia Williams, Kate Winslet, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Wow. So basically everybody. Everybody. People walking down the street. Hey, you want to play a big fat girl in a romantic comedy? (laughs) Call this number and go to the van. (laughs) I mean, like, there are... There, there are a couple of those names you mentioned that I can, that if you squint, they're kind of like the same sort of like a type as Renee Zellweger, maybe. Mm. But I mean, some of those are just, it's like, so they really just did not, they had no sense of this character at all. I they want just you wanted to, I want someone you to, picture, to play her. I want you to picture this. Catherine Zeta-Jones is a 32-year-old virgin in this movie. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Can't, can't find a boyfriend. Can't find a boyfriend. Yeah. Okay, 
Colin Firth as Mark Darcy. And you know him from the Kingsman and King's Speech. Yeah. And something British where he looks nervous and uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, that movie. Yeah, that movie. Coincidentally, he also played a Mr. Darcy in the BBC interpretation of Pride and Prejudice, on which this plot is loosely based on. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that everyone got it, she named one of the characters Darcy and then ca- cast someone who played Mr. Darcy. Oh. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, clever. A, a level of subtlety that is repeated over and over again throughout the film. Right. Yeah. Hugh Grant as Daniel Cleaver, and he's in all of these fucking things. Yeah, although this is like the turning point in his career where he stopped playing like the floppy-haired cute guy and started playing the asshole. And started sleeping with prostitutes in L.A. (laughs) Yeah, and started playing the asshole who got all the good lines. He was yeah, like, if I'm going to have to make these fucking things, I should at least mm-hmm. get the good lines. No one does charming sexual harassment quite like Hugh Grant. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jim Broadbent, one of my favorite characters ever. Very much. As Mr. Colin Jones, and he was recently in Game of Thrones and Hot Fuzz and the Potter films. You know, what I mean by that is Harry Potter yes. films. Um, and uh, everything. Just like Moulin Rouge and a bunch oh, of Oh, yeah. Stuff. Tons of stuff. Gemma Jones, or Gemma Jones, I don't know how to pronounce this fucking British name, <laughs> as Mrs. Pamela Jones. And she also was in the Harry Potter films and all the rest of the Bridget Jones films. Celia Imry as Una Alkenberry, and she was in Mamma Mia, and also all the Bridget Jones films. James Faulkner as Uncle Jeffrey, and he was in Game Game of Thrones. uh, Shirley Henderson as Jude, and she was in the Harry Potter films. I'm seeing a trend here. Yeah, yeah. James Callis as Token Gay Man. Yeah, totally. As Ju- as uh, Tom, and you'll recognize him as Baltar from Battlestar Galactica. Yep. Sally Phillips as Sharon. La- uh, Lisa Barbuskia as Lara. Bleh. Donald Douglas <laughs> as Admiral Darcy. Who fucking cares anymore? I don't. I don't want to read these. <laughs> You're almost done. Charmaine May as Mrs. Darcy. Paul Brooke as as Mr. Fizzlegiggle. Fitz Fitzherbert. M. Beth David. Fizzlegiggle could be a British name. It, it probably is. There's probably a member of the House of Lords named Lord Fizzlegiggle. There's probably Fizzlegiggle. a former Prime Minister Fizzlegiggle. Lord Fizzlegiggle. Isn't Giggle. he the one that signed the peace treaty with, with Nazi Germany? Yeah, that, that was Lord Fizzlegizzle, yeah. <laughs> M. Beth Davids as Natasha Glenville, and you'd recognize her from Army of Darkness. Mm -hmm. Patrick Barlow as Julian. Felicity Montag as Perpetua. Neil Pearson as Richard Finch. And Dolly Wells as Woney. Who could forget Woney? (laughs) The the linchpin that holds this whole film together. Music by Patrick Doyle, and he did the soundtracks for movies like Goblet of Fire and Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Thor. Cinematography by Stuart Dryberg, and uh, he's done movies like The Piano and Aeon Flux. Ooh. Everyone remembers the cinematography from Aeon Flux, right, Steve? Absolutely. It's legendary. Those people who remember Aeon Flux. (laughs) Edited by Martin Walsh, who edited Chicago and Wonder Woman. And a lot of other movies. Production company Little Bird, Studio Canal, and Working Title Films. Distributed by uh, United International Pictures, Miramax Pictures, and Mars Distribution. Release date, April 13th, 2001. Running time, 97 minutes. That feels so much longer. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. How long? Like, all-day car trip with Grandpa long. That's how long this movie feels. The the last 10 minutes feels like 97 minutes. (laughs) 
budget, $25 million. Box office, $281.9 million, making it a smash hit. And Renee Zellweger, oh boy, she's so famous now. <sighs> I really, can we do anything else? Do you want to just create a podcast right now here on the spot? Uh-huh. Just finish out, just do some kind of wacky premise. Okay, I'm a talking pumpkin. Okay. And you can, you come up with your character. We'll do it. We'll just, we're done. Late seating's over now. <laughs> Okay, you're a t- This movie has killed my enthusiasm for film. You're a talking pumpkin. I'm a, a pumpkin. A pumpkin. Get it right. Pu- no. You're talking pumpkin. I'm not a pumpkin, sir. A- nor am I a pumpkin. You're a- I'm a pumpkin. A pumpkin. That's right. Okay, I am a mute pair of needle nose pliers. <laughs> then I don't even need you on the show. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> People will know Fine. if I'm not we'll, really here. We'll do it. We'll review the fucking movie, all right? Okay. My, look, just rip the Band-Aid off, man. Uh, uh, we'll get it over with. Uh, yeah, but it's not healed yet. <laughs> the Band-Aid has to stay on. Don't wait. <laughs> It'll get infected. <laughs> get infected. Hand me that Neosporin. <laughs> all right, Steve. Mm-hmm. Let's you and me. Mm-hmm. Have a bunch of wacky misadventures in our underwears a lot, sure, apparently. Sure. <laughs> our our norm our completely normal underwear that we're going to pretend like, are humongous and, and, and strange for a comic effect. Let's drink and smoke and everything we do is embarrassing. Yeah. And run run screaming like a lunatic <laughs> into the world <laughs> of Bridget Jones's Diary, Steve. Uh-huh. Take it away. <sighs> take it into the woods. Take it. Steve. Take it into the take woods. Take it into the woods. Put it down on its knees, <laughs> and don't do anything until it says, "Please, I'm not worth the bullet." <laughs> Tell it about the rabbits. <laughs> um, no, I'm thinking. I'm think, just go. I don't. Yeah. Um, the joke is gone. Okay. So, um, hey, it's Christmas, and there, it's a Christmas it is party. Not. It's in the movie. In the movie. Uh, it's Christmas. Why do you keep wanting to talk about the movie? Well, it's Christmas time, pretty baby. Um, In England. One of, yes. It's Christmas. So there's no, there's no soul there. (laughs) Oh dear, it's Christmas time, my pretty baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually, I I think that's the only cliche music cue they don't use in the movie. Um, Probably. Yeah, so it's Christmas and our, 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 our hero, Bridget Jones, has arrived at her parents' house for their annual uh they, she, it's called the turkey curry party it's like a christmas party that's what she calls it because she hates everything and everybody yeah. she shows up at the christmas party and and everybody's everybody's there it's her parents and people and her family and a bunch of their friends and she, and her uncle who gropes her and touches her ass yeah. and slides his hand down the front of her pants yeah <laughs> and everyone just goes <laughs> uncle blah, 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 blah. Yeah. whatever his name is uncle jeffrey sub that he's not even a blood relative no he's uh, not a blood relative no. but every Everyone just thinks it's hilariously funny as he gropes her in front of her mother and yep. father. Hey, blatant sexual harassment is completely fine. As I, as I, that would be great if it was a commentary on that, wouldn't it? There's a lot of and things. Not a funny joke. <laughs> There's a lot of things in this movie that would be great if they were meant as commentaries. If at one point <laughs> in the movie he reaches down to grab her, you know. Her her woman side, yeah, and she just grabs his hand and breaks every finger in in his, in his hand at the end of the movie. Yeah, and then pushes him out a window. But she, her mom's trying to set her up with somebody. Yeah, and she meets a robot. <laughs> 
Yes, yes, uh, yes, exactly. A, a very rude robot. It's uh, <laughs> a very rude bot 5000. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, Mark, played by Colin Firth. And oh, the, did you see the sweater he was wearing? He's wearing like just what to me looks like just kind of a normal, like corny Christmas sweater. It's right. like a, just a green sweater with like a big cartoon reindeer on it. And yeah, it's like super yeah. tacky and it doesn't look great. But everybody, the, the reaction to this sweater is like, it, you would think it was, it had like a photograph of a murdered child on it. Like You mean an ugly sweater that we all wear now at Christmas like time every, because it's funny. Yeah, like everybody responded to, and he was, he looks absolutely mortified to be wearing this just kind of, just kind of like a corny, tacky sweater. Like yeah. everybody and makes such we, a big I deal mean, about it. The lead up to it is she sees him turning around and he's so fucking hot that she wets her shorts right there. Yeah. And then when she walks up to him, she sees the sweater and she says, oh, never mind. Yeah. Like, really? She's been complaining that she's been single for 32 years, which I guess makes her a virgin. I guess. And yeah. so she's, I guess maybe she's just fucking strangers this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah, Mark is, is really rude. And, oh, yeah. and, you know, just kind of is really just really short with her, like doesn't want to talk and kind of just, you know, basically blows her off. And he uses uh, what he's talking to his mother and he's talking way out loud. And of course, she overhears all this in which he calls her a was it a over talkative chimpanzee, uh, a verbally a, what, a verbally incontinent spinster spinster. Yeah. Which which. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. A spinster. Yes, a spinster. Which is usually reserved for women who are terribly old and is never... Usually a lesbian in the family that has a secret relationship with somebody. Yeah, a spinster. Uh She has white Uh, hair. She's... 32 years old. Yes. And by the way, I, since we're talking about things that were like the, the things that the movie keeps telling us that are obviously not true, uh, she's gorgeous. She's like a movie star. Eh. She's a gorgeous, incredibly attractive movie star. I don't star. find her that attractive. Well, but, but I she's mean, not I like. She, I see what you're getting she's at. Not she's like, not like. She's not the comically unattractive. Like, I mean, she. I, I know that part. A big part of the movie is like, oh, she's overweight. And, you know, it's like, yeah, but not really. I mean, she is a completely conventionally attractive person. I mean, she's not like beginning of career Tony Collette. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not. I mean, I, she's not like. I don't think. She's not like so gorgeous that like she would stop traffic. But the the one of the, I think like one of the central jokes of the movie is you know oh she's not that attractive poor girl and it's like I'm sorry I don't really yeah it's I don't the, get one that of the at all that we're supposed to buy into yeah she I don't I don't get that like <laughs> ju- just based mm-hmm. on her looks or her weight that she can't find a boyfriend mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense to me but uh, then we but get anyway. to watch her having a drinking binge yeah yeah because she she goes home puts on her pajamas gets drunk mm-hmm. sings along Dances to one around. of the to the first of many incredibly obvious obnoxious music cues mm-hmm. um not right on the nose yeah all by myself yeah oh mm-hmm. i get it uh, but then she goes you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna turn my life around that's right she's because i had a bad party experience yeah so she starts a diary and she says yeah, I'm, go- she- I'm gonna lose weight i'm gonna quit smoking i'm gonna find me uh-huh. a real good boyfriend who's gonna fuck yeah, me right. good yeah and she gets on the scale yeah. and you see how much she waves and i ways and i start laughing and laughing and laughing because 
She's not overweight. By <laughs> yeah, by no reasonable standard is she overweight. She doesn't look overweight. She doesn't weigh it anywhere took her close seven to seven months yeah. to put on twenty pounds. Yeah, by Hollywood by Hollywood standards, she would be considered overweight. Fuck by Hollywood by ordinary human standards of just people that we see every day, you would not. There is no way you would see this woman in a grocery store and go, mm. "Oh wow, she's a bit overweight." Not a chance. But she's determined that she's going to find Mister Wright. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of the guys that she really... Oh, boy, is the guy, her boss at work. Yeah. Daniel. Yeah. Daniel. Yeah. And he's, like, in charge of everything. And they start flirting. Yeah. Well, they... Yeah. Well, they, they, well they, okay. They I sexually harass each other. He starts sexually <laughs> harassing her bad. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Like, I want to see your tits. Yeah. Kind of, like, <laughs> exactly. emails. But, but it's in a charming Hugh Grant voice. So, you know. Who gives a fuck? He's her boss. Would quite be, would be quite lovely if I could um, see your tits. Yeah, yay! Oh, Boy, everyone okay wants to be talked like it. that. They want to be talked to like that in real life. Okay, so there's another guy at her work who always always staring at her boobs that she calls Mister Tits Pervert. Yeah. In real life, he would be her direct boss, and he would be sending her those emails. Exactly. And it wouldn't be charming. But, in, but instead, in this movie, it's someone who looks like Hugh Grant. Right. And she's like, "Ooh, yeah." There's yeah. no, uh, there's no uh, power differenti- differentiation between the two of us. Not He's just my boss. <sighs> anyway, so they start flirting because there's going to be a book launch, right? And my estimation of a famous author goes right down through the fucking. Right to the core of the goddamn planet, it couldn't get much worse. Because who's at the book launch? It's it's, it's uh, Salman Rushdie, mm-hmm. playing playing himself is there, and uh, yeah, and he that's basically it. Like he's just there for like two minutes, and he's just at the party mingling. And um, I think there it's it's time for the coinkydinks to start happening. Yeah. Okay, so it's revealed when she was at her mom's party that her, she used to go over to Mark's house and run around in their little kiddie pool naked when they were little kids. Right. Uh, so they knew each other when they were little kids, right? Yeah. And now they're at this book party, and guess who shows up, Steve? <gasps> it's Mark. And his, you know, super hot colleague, Natasha, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Mark's a lawyer, and Natasha is like his partner at the law firm, and also they're kind of dating or something. Like, it's... Yeah. I don't care. I don't know. Something's going on. Who there. cares? Yeah. yeah. And, so, and then she hilariously... Then she she gives, she tries to, to do a speech, and the microphone's not on, and Mark looks like he's gonna throw up she's doing so badly. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I hate this fucking character. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's such an asshole. And And uh, then her and Daniel leave and they go have dinner. Yeah. And then, as a really smart move, she decides this guy who's known as a womanizer and has been sending her way over-sexualized emails this whole time, they're like gonna... um... Oh, and also Daniel tells her that uh, Mark and him were friends. Right. But then um, he says Mark slept with uh, Daniel's fiance. Yeah. Now they hate each other. Yeah, Mark's such an asshole. And then um, Bridget and Daniel fuck. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Uh-huh. And um what happens next? Uh they go well they're they now Bridget and Daniel are kind of like seeing each other and they're kind of fucking yeah, yeah, all and the time. they go out I guess it's out they go they go to the And after like two two days she's like do you love me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's like oh I wouldn't have thought so. Oh shit. Oh no. 
Um, and they go out. But they're they, going out for a weekend. Yeah, they go to the to a weekend in the country to a to a party, and they're mm-hmm. staying at this country inn where. And who's there, Steve? Well, wouldn't you know it, Mark and and uh, and uh, uh, what's it? What's her ass? His is the other Mark's Mark's girlfriend, Natasha. Natasha. Uh, they're 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 staying at the same place. Isn't yeah. that weird? What a coincidence! That's so weird. It's so what fucking weird. Dink. And he's still a, just a fucking tub of garbage just a very just rude and yeah and he says i've brought work along i'm going to be working this weekend and then we see them out on this little lake and mark and natasha are rowing in a rowboat and (laughs) and daniel and and bridget are out there and daniel falls in the water and and mark looks over at him like jesus christ like like he just wants to murder them like they're just kind of like, or he's jealous yeah. or he's in love with her or who knows who cares he's just a miserable bastard whatever whatever he's worried about right yeah and then um something happens and she's gotta go home well daniel daniel has to leave he says i have a meeting i can't come with you to the party you're going to have to go to the party yourself. And also, it's supposed to be what's called a Tarts and Vickers party, which is basically yeah, like a costume party where the, the, right. the women dress up like prostitutes and the like men dress whores, up like... Uh, and the men dress up like priests. Like priests, yeah. Because English, British culture is garbage. <laughs> right. But... The Tarts and Vickers party gets changed. I have to apologize for that right now. Yeah. Guys, I know I'm taking a lot out on you guys, on you British people, but it's only because of this movie has exactly. got my dander up. It's, we, okay? we, we understand that British culture has been responsible for many good things, too. Right. But at least when we do theme parties, they're themed, right? They're themed. <laughs> pimps and hoes. If you say, I'm doing a pimps and hoes party, people are coming dressed up as pimps and hoes. They go together. Yeah. They're like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Well, I, I, okay. I guess a British person would understand why Tarts and Vickers go together, too. I guess so. There must be a story behind But yeah, that. But, but the theme gets changed at the last minute, and everybody gets the, the message except for Bridget and, like, one or two other people. So she shows up. A few up. other people. Yeah. She, everybody else is dressed just normally for, like, a casual outdoor party, and she shows up. Uh, dressed like a Playboy bunny, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, "Oh no! Oh, how inappropriate!" And oh yeah, she looks so horrible because she's so obscenely, grossly fat. Yeah, she right, yeah, Steve. I know she's not attractive at not all. Not at all. Oh, it's just so <laughs> gross. But what yeah. we mean is, it's not. It's oh, it turns out that Bridget's mom has left her daddy. Uh-oh. Do we care? No. Nope. That's a subplot that we hear a lot about that I never gave a single shit about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Let's see. She comes back to London, and she's gonna drop in on Daniel. Yeah. And he, he she discovers that her his American colleague, um, well, I can't don't care about the person's name. Yeah, but they're uh, they're fucking. Yeah, she's in the she's hiding in the bathroom, and Bridget is like, "Aha, you're cheating on me! I can't believe you would do this." Scoundrel! <laughs> even though all the warning signs were there. Yeah. How dare you? Oh, and she's like, I'm I'm gonna go find a new job. And how does she find she find a new job? She goes to a newspaper and she circles advertisements for people to be TV producers. Yeah. Like you do. A job that she has no experience in and no evident qualifications for at all. Guys, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you found a job listing to be a producer of any kind of entertainment in it, it's porn. Okay? I know who puts out an ad in the fucking paper uh-huh. for a TV. They have an industry. They have ways of, mm-hmm. of advertising for jobs. They don't just put out a classified. 
But she finally does an interview with a guy who tells her, we don't have any problems with people sleeping with the boss. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I want to work there. And as she's leaving, Daniel's all like, please don't go. I want you to stay. Please. That would be great. And then we find out that this script is horribly dated. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you mean the Saddam Hussein reference? Yeah. It's like, ha, ha, ha. He hung him. He was hung. Yeah. He, we saw him die. It's not funny to reference him anymore because he had a ghoulish death that we saw his hanging corpse <laughs> well, you know, for like three weeks straight. And you know, the thing about it is it was a dated reference when it was made. This movie mm-hmm. came out in, it, it, it came out in April 2001. Who the fuck mm-hmm. was thinking about Saddam Hussein in April 2001? As far as we knew, we would never fucking the hear about George him again. George Bush. Well, yeah. <laughs> who, who other than people in the Bush administration were thinking about Saddam Hussein <laughs> in 2001? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, you're, and it totally, it's like, uh, oh, this is an old movie. We forgot about her friends. Oh, you mean her friends that travel exclusively in a pack of three everywhere yeah. they go? <laughs> There's the, the high-pitched funny one, the the one that has no pers- discernible personality at all, and her gay friend. The gay friend, yep. Which she describes in the narration. Oh, by the way, there's lots of narration oh, for her. Oh, yeah. As a poof. Yeah. Isn't that charming? What a charming Britishism. Yeah, isn't that great? A poof. Isn't that great? I'm glad she doesn't have a black friend. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, that's it's 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 or, a mercy, really. Or someone from the Middle East, Ugh. or Japanese, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, just yeah. I don't understand why she just didn't describe all of her friends as two cunts and a poof. <laughs> that would have been in keeping. But okay, yeah. fine. It's I bet it was hilarious in two thousand one. I bet it was. <laughs> you know, homophobia was okay until a few years ago. <sighs> so what happens? She's now working in TV. Yeah. Um, people see her ass crack for some reason. Yeah, she she's know. yeah she like she goes down a fire pole and lands right on the camera. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha. Um, yeah. So she goes to a friend's dinner party where she's the only single person. Yeah. Which is really I, guess, I mean, why did they? Yeah. Eat? And they didn't even have anybody there to fix her up with. Like, why even invite her? It's just a shitty thing to invite like one single person to a party with every everybody else is going to be in a couple yeah and they act as if they were never single and don't know what being single means i I was born married um but guess who's there Steve? oh it wouldn't be mark would it mark's there again it's mark and he's there with natasha and he uh talks to her privately in which from out of nowhere yes he says that he likes her just as despite her faults yes just as you are. Aww. That's not a compliment. <laughs> as fucked up and imperfect and wrong mm-hmm. and unlovable mm-hmm. as you are, I like you just the way you I are. I know that you are a verbally incontinent spinster who smokes like a chimney and drinks like a fish and dresses like her mother, but I like you just the way you are. <laughs> Quite frankly, I hate everything about you, but I like you just as you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has to reinstate that he likes her, likes her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it turns out he's apparently a well-known lawyer. Right. And he gets her an interview for her TV show. An exclusive an ex- TV interview. Yeah, with his client that he just he just won his case. 
and Bridget gets the exclusive interview because they again because her and Mark run into each other again out out of nowhere. He just happens to be in like the 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 uh, the bodega or whatever that she goes in to get. There's some only cigarettes. like 25 people in London. Steve. I know, and he just happens to be there, and he's like, "Hey, I got an idea. You're on TV now. Why don't you come?" Why don't you come interview my client? Actually, he says yeah. he says I have a plan, as though he's been mm-hmm. cooking this up for years. They yes. they didn't just run into each other, and the the idea came into his head. He was like, "Oh, don't worry, Bridget, I have a plan." Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And she starts to get a crush on him. Yeah. And everybody at her work is like, "You're the new up and come. You're the new. Everybody's going to talk about you, person with no experience." who had one of the shittiest interviews I've ever seen, yeah. which consisted of two questions, apparently. Yeah, we we don't resent your success at all. <laughs> but she's going to have a party yeah. at her house. Sure. And um, she's going to cook her own birthday dinner party, and Mark's invited. And then they cook, and, and all of her friends come over, and... Um, and all the food poisons them. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's horribly mis miscooked and. And because she was stupid enough to tell her shitty friends what he said, um, they her gay friend does a toast in which he says, "Despite your faults, we like you just the way you are." Ha-ha. And I would have stabbed him as I <laughs> I would have stool. Yeah. But who shows up? Oh, you know, it's Daniel. Daniel shows up, and he's what? oh oh well, he's having trouble with you know his relationship he mm-hmm. was going to get married to this the, the girl that that bridget caught him with but nah, she dumped him and you know he just i don't know he's just really mm-hmm. he just wants to get back together with bridget like can she can they just maybe and, go somewhere and talk and because bridget talks to daniel for about a minute and a half mark gets his fifis hurt and he leaves mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but then he comes back and he says daniel you and me are gonna have a british fight <laughs> And they go outside, and they kind of fight. They have sort of a fight, yeah. And then they smash through the window of a Greek restaurant, and then eventually, I guess, the fight's a draw. And um, then Daniel says, wanker at Mark, and I can't remember how this works. And then he... Well, Mark knocks him down, and then Bridget... Yeah, Mark knocks him down, and Bridget, who's shocked, despite the fact that they've been fighting this whole time... (laughs) She she chides Mark and then Mark leaves. Right. Well, because she's still she's you know she's thinking about like the the story Daniel told her about how Mark stole his girlfriend, and mm-hmm. she's like saying to Mark like, "Well, you're no better than he is," you know. And Mark's right. like, <gasps> and like walks away. I thought you were something better. <laughs> and then Daniel insults her, <laughs> and yeah. she and she says, "Well, fuck you too." You know what he says? He he says, "If I can't make it yeah. with you, then I can't make it with anybody." Oh, what? Where are you going? You huge blimp of a woman! <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Have I said something to insult you? Oh, where? you Titanic cow! You, <laughs> how do you? Who makes your clothes? They can't be from a store. What circus tent manufacturer <laughs> makes the frocks you wear around town? What, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is I, I've hit rock bottom and <laughs> you are the only option I have left. So what do you say? And she's like, uh, no. Mm-hmm. 
So she rejects both assholes, and that should be the end of the movie, but it's not. Now her mom has left. Her mom has left her daddy. Yes. Um, and has started up with an affair with a shopping channel presenter, which she stands up there with them. Yeah. And the shopping channel presenter is coded as gay. Yes. Um. But that ends for some reason. Yeah. And she comes back home. Yeah, because we have um, to wrap up that pointless subplot that right, <laughs> nobody exactly. gives a shit about. Mm-hmm. And then who tells her that um, that the Mark and Daniel's falling out was actually the reverse? It was. Oh, they were. Daniel. It's 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 been a whole year, and it's Christmas again, and mm-hmm. they're leaving for another Christmas party, and Bridget's mom just kind of mentions it. Oh yeah, because she knew. Yeah, yeah. She just kind of says like, "Oh, it was <laughs> How actually did Daniel." She know, and 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 Bridget didn't. Yeah, and it's never come up. Yeah, it's never come up. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. So, um, yeah. So it was actually Daniel that stole Mark's wife. Yeah. yeah, and they're on their way to to the Darcy Ruby wedding anniversary. Yeah, right. And the uh, the Darcy that's that's Mark's Mark's mom and dad. parents. Yeah. So she decides I'm going, and so she goes. You know, she manages to cram her moon-sized body into a <laughs> appropriate dress, and she they go to the Darby home, Darcy home, and what do you know, Steve? They're rich. Oh, I never would have thought. They're so rich. They're super rich. Uh huh. And Bridget confesses her feelings for Mark that um, this man who she's never kissed and has spent maybe a total of fifteen minutes talking to, right? Yeah, and, but he was kind of nice to her a few times. Yeah. Um. Only then she finds out that him and Natasha have are going to New York because they have jobs there and they're getting engaged. Oh, right? Yeah. Because her father's about to announce. Um, and then according, yeah. And then um, Bridget interrupts the toast with an emotionally moving speech, right? Yeah, and she and she tries to like make it sound like she's saying like, oh, what a shame that London is losing such a great lawyer because you know mm-hmm. she's embarrassed, like everybody's looking at her. And uh, and yeah. despite the fact of all of that, Mark is all like, oh, I think I I love this this massive fat deposit. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes to New York anyway. Yeah. And then Bridget's friends try to repair her broken heart with a surprise trip to Paris. Yay. Now, I gotta stop. <laughs> but we're so Most close to my the friends end. ever did. When one of my girlfriends, literally, day of, when I came home from work and her and her friends were helping her move out of our apartment, my friends, at best, bought me a decent bottle of whiskey. Right, right, right. right. But her friends decide, no, we're just going to go. You know, and we're sorry that this man you kind of know. <laughs> turns out he's actually engaged with someone else after you told him he was a box of shit. We know you're upset. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll just go on a trip to Paris, right? Sure. That's, that's what you can do. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, when I said girlfriend, I actually meant fiance. Oh. So it gets a little worse. It's even so, worse. I hate this movie. (laughs) So, but anyway, they don't go to Paris because right as she's getting ready to get in the car with her friends, who has transported onto the sidewalk from nowhere? The robot! (laughs) It's Mark! He's, he's, He's some kind of magician. Yeah. He's just always there whenever the plot requires him to have a conversation with Bridget. That's right. He just walks in. He's like, hi, Bridget, I'm here again. Mm hmm. 
And just as they're about to kiss, what does Bridget do? For for no reason, she mm-hmm. she ab- abruptly pulls away from him and runs into her bedroom to change into sexy underwear. <laughs> she says, "Now, if uh, something uh, like now, if ever there was a time for really really tiny knickers, this is it, or something like that." Uh huh. And while she's earlier in, in the movie, she wore what she called grandma, like proto spanks. Yeah, which were not a turnoff at all for the guy she was with. I'm going to tell so, you right now, if someone is as gorgeous as she is, and you have you have feelings for this person, it wouldn't matter if they were wearing a sack full of manure. You were going for it. It didn't that. Oh, I can't, Steve. I can't. We're all. I know we're almost done. Yeah. But there's like nine parag- paragraphs of plot packed into these ten minutes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So she she goes in to change her underwear, leaving Mark by himself, like in the kitchen, and he's like looking through the magazines and stuff on the table, like rifling through a desk drawer. Yeah, exactly. And he going <laughs> going into the bathroom and opening the medicine cabinet, looking through lifting her medicine, up, lifting up the pictures to see if the safe is behind <laughs> that one. And he finds her diary. Oh, no. And he turns through the diary and he sees all the Uh, little passages she's written about what a fucking dick he is. What a fucking robot prick. That she (laughs) she has written in capital letters and underlined, I fucking hate this asshole piece of shit. Fuck him. Right. And then um, she realizes... Because he leaves. He leaves. leaves. He walks out. Yeah. And then she realizes that he's read his diary and she might lose him again. She calls to him from the window and he keeps walking. So she puts on a sweater and she's got sexy underwear on and she runs out into the snow to catch him. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, she can't find him at first. And she's about to return home when Mark appears. And he's got a brand new diary. Oh, he wasn't leaving. He was just going to buy her a new diary. So that they can have a fresh start. And then people start looking at her as she kisses him, right? Yeah. And it's a plain, normal, closed mouth kiss. Yeah. But then she says, nice boys don't kiss like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how a nice boy kisses. (laughs) Closed mouth, no tongue. And then Mark retorts... Oh yes, they fucking do. That's right. That's the last. That's the last line in the the, the movie. Yep. Isn't it nice that they gave the last line to Mark? Yeah, isn't that great. <laughs> but it's not over yet. So during the credits, yeah, we're watching a whole movie. Yeah. Of this fucking robot. Yes. <laughs> as a child wearing a full suit. Yes. And looking disinterested and weirded out at his own birthday party. (laughs) In which we cut to a child that probably should be institutionalized. Why? Because it's Bridget at how old? I guess four she was supposed to be. Four or five, something along those lines. Just murdering a chocolate cake. Murdering a huge piece of chocolate cake. Running around drinking a bottle of wine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because there's zero, zero super uh, supervision in this show. Well, and, and they cut away while she's drinking wine. And, and what is Mark, this eight-year-old, doing? I can't remember. He's painting on an easel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, yes, that's right. But just, just in case we weren't creeped out enough yet, she then takes off her dress and starts running around in the, in the, in the pool. Now, yeah. that's not that bad. This is a little kid. She's a kid, right? Yeah. yeah. But then, (laughs) 
they have what is it she he sees her and then they hold hands and then she kisses him and at that point i'm like this is gross yeah <laughs> there's a lot of development between a four-year-old and an eight-year-old yeah right yeah but he's looking her like he loves her and she's just staring off into space <laughs> right and we close on this fixed thick rictus grin of this child and then it fades out <laughs> the end oh the end thank god steve? yes steve mm-hmm. please tell us what you thought oh. of this romantic comedy classic bridget jones's diary <sighs> hey i didn't like it um <laughs> well i look i want to i mean i have to i want to acknowledge like i know this movie is not made for me and I know, regardless of, of my opinions of, of how good the movie is, like I know there are a lot of women that I that I that I know personally that that identify with things in the movie that I just don't personally identify with because I just I have a very different experience in life. So you know, there are some women I know who who like the movie because they they liked seeing a a single woman with imperfections who wears like you know supposedly unattractive underwear and you know. Yeah. I um, mean, and like the sort of warts and all, or the appearance of a warts and all, you know, uh, the the approximation of a warts and all portrayal of of being a single woman. So I want to acknowledge it. It, it did appeal to a lot of people for that reason. But for me personally, watching it, I I I thought you know that maybe there might be a good movie buried underneath all of this somewhere. <laughs> um, but it's. It's really difficult to see. I, I think it, it shines through briefly in some of the scenes with Renee Zellweger and Hugh Grant, not because their characters are all that appealing, but because they have good chemistry together. I think their scenes have the best dialogue. Um, and it just that's where the movie works the most. But those good moments are just, I mean, they're buried under this avalanche of just fucking garbage. I mean, th- this is a great example of why I dislike the romantic comedy genre so much. Because so many films in the genre are just like this, like that tonally and stylistically, they're ex- they're all exactly like this. This movie is obvious and it's hackneyed and formulaic. It it has that voiceover we mentioned that is totally unnecessary. That is just that is constantly stepping on the jokes or underlining the jokes. Like there there's yeah. a, there's a bit really early on. Uh, when when she goes to the to the Christmas party at the beginning, and her mom like tells her that she has to change, but it, she's like, "Oh, change your clothes. I, I picked out the best, the, the most wonderful outfit for you." And then we cut to Bridget like t- coming around a corner wearing this like hideous, you know, like nineteen eighties outfit that her mom picked out for her and we get mm-hmm. the joke because the outfit is bad enough that we get the joke but at, but then the voiceover has to come in and mm-hmm. she, so she can say oh i'm wearing a carpet just in case we didn't get it and that and the movie is full of that shit there's always like there's a there's a joke and then the voiceover comes in to to repeat the joke just in case we missed it um the music cues are so fucking obnoxious uh, I mean, there's there's not there it, there's not a, a cliched music cue. I think that it passes up. The worst one is when Bridget quits her job at the the publisher and she tells off Daniel. She says, you know, I'd rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's ass. And then mm-hmm. uh, Aretha Franklin's "Respect" starts playing, 
and oh, it's just wow, like wow oh. what a clever choice yeah and it's like oh for fuck's sake like can we not just let the actors do some of the heavy lifting like you don't need to th- to like yeah to underline everything with a with the most obvious music cue possible um we talked about bridget's friends how they're they're such lazy one-dimensional tropes that you could mm-hmm. you could take these characters exactly as they're written here and drop them into a parody of shitty romantic comedies <laughs> and they would yep. work just as well as they do in this actual romantic comedy it's so mm-hmm. bad they have she has the gay friend who adds nothing to the film who plays no important role in the story at all who is only there because for some reason there needs to be a gay friend um, and actually, I do think there's a reason because it, it's implied at one point later on when she's at the the, the anniversary party, um, she mentions after she's leaving that she has another party to go to, and she says, "Oh, it's mostly poofs." And, yeah. And and so I guess this is supposed to make her seem more pathetic because also, her mom says a racist thing about Japanese people, but I can't remember what that was. Yeah, a couple times. Like, mm. yeah, yeah. And she also makes a really terrible Holocaust joke. Uh, yeah, she yeah, does. Yeah, a really terrible Holocaust joke. And uh, and so we're, that's supposed to make Bridget seem even more tragic, I guess, because she's like, oh, she's the sad single girl and the only guys that she hangs out with are gay guys who don't want to fuck her. So it's simultaneously homophobic and misogynistic. Good job, mm. movie. Um, and also, as I mentioned before, her three friends travel exclusively in a pack. They always arrive everywhere at the right. exact same time. All three of them, they leave as a trio. It got on my mm. nerves as soon as I noticed it. <laughs> I yeah. thought like, oh, God damn it. Like, it's just why, not even trying. Uh, the plot is just nothing but contrivances and cheats. Whenever it's time for Bridget and Mark to have an important conversation, Mark is just magically there. Uh, Bridget's, yep. re- Bridget's relationship with Mark only exists because that's just that because he's the guy she's supposed to end up with. You know, I, right. me- I mentioned earlier, there's there's that scene after they have the fight where she tells Mark to fuck off and then and then Daniel is a dick and she tells him to fuck off too. And really mm-hmm. that could have been the end of the movie because why does she have to wind up with either of these two? Why is these uh-huh. why are these the only options? Why Mark Because she's a fat chunky exactly. beast, Steve. <laughs> no she one. won't get anybody else. No one could ever find her attractive, let alone love her. Why she's she's disgusting. Um right. and you know, it, it really it, it's irritating because you have this movie that it has like this sort of superficially empowering vibe. But ultimately, it's, yeah, being single sucks and you'd better find a fit man. And that's it. Like the, ha- right. the happy ending. The happy ending is she finds a boyfriend. Like, uh-huh. you know, it, it has no. We talked earlier about how maybe if some of this was meant as commentary, there's no commentary on like the shitty fucking gender roles. There's no commentary on the, the mind fuck that we put women through of how they're supposed nope. to look and how they're supposed to act and how unfair yep. that is and how fucked up that is. No, none of that. And it's, how much sexual harassment they're exposed how to. How much sexual harassment they're exposed to and and not, but it's okay because it's funny or accepted yeah there's there's no there's no awareness of any of that there's no commentary on any of that it all boils down to oh yeah she's kind of quirky and you know she weighs over 110 pounds or whatever and but you know she found a boyfriend anyway isn't that nice like that's it mm-hmm. um yeah. you know and we mentioned this already before but i like i know i whine a lot on this show about running times being too long um this movie is a case where on paper the running time is perfect it's under 100 minutes uh, yeah, it's 130 it's, minutes. Yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah, an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, but watching it, it feels twice that long. And the the 
the ending in particular, the la- pretty much everything from uh, from that from the the anniversary party when Mark goes to New York to the end, like it just it's so extended with these artificial misunderstandings and these mm-hmm. cutesy little reversals, and you know it just takes forever. And I was I wonder like what was Mark's plan? Like when he leaves at the end, because, you know, mm-hmm. what happens is he he sees the diary, he leaves and it turns out he was buying her a new diary. But, you know, she runs after him in the big, grand, romantic gesture and she runs down through the snow to find him. And like if she hadn't done that, what was he going to do? He was going to buy her a new diary, go back to her apartment and say, oh, hey, I read your fucking diary while you were in the bedroom <laughs> and you say some really shitty things about me in there. So I took it upon myself to get you a new diary so that you can start over. That's such a fucked up thing. To, that's and now so, here's your diary. Burn it. Yeah, that's so burn presumptuous. It. And just it's if like, you want me, you'll burn exactly. it. Exactly. Like it just so happened that she ran after him and she talked about the diary first. So he could pull it out of his coat and be like, I'm just kidding. I got you a new one. And it's like, yeah, but what if that didn't happen? You're an asshole. Like, you're just a, mm-hmm. you're a fucking asshole. Um, so, you know, this is a movie, like, w- when you watch a good movie, you never want the movie to end. And this is a movie that when the end credits started, I breathed a sigh of relief. And oh, you mean when it said the end and then they crossed it out yeah. and it said the beginning? And and I, I said this, I, I said this, I thought this when I watched it last night. And when I saw this movie in the theater with my girlfriend, friend in 2001 i'm pretty sure i said i turned to her and said this out loud which is when it crosses out the end and writes in the beginning i said movie don't you fucking threaten me <laughs> this movie it wasn't is a hollow over. threat it wasn't a hollow threat was it, they made they made two more that yeah yeah but anyway so yeah uh didn't enjoy it not a fan oh, but didn't enjoy what it. a surprise yeah what a surprise i enjoy this movie on many levels <laughs> The first level is, of course, is that it's a postmodern satire on what modern women go through and work for... No, I fucking hate it. I hate, I hate this movie. Steve and I both have the conceit that we recognize that they are both fantasies. Most women who watch these movies also understand the conceit that these are fantasies. Mm-hmm. Are they made for me? No. No movie is technically made for me. Right. But, I mean, there is a story here that speaks on larger issues... But they're all jokes, right? Yeah. She's being sexually harassed a lot by her boss, by her other boss, by a friend of the family (laughs) where she is being groped and pinched that she doesn't like and doesn't want. But for some reason, she allows to happen. In 2001, I don't know if we were that much different culturally, but right now, boy, oh boy, does this movie send out a bad message. Yeah. The message it sends out is it's either endearing from a guy who maybe you'll want to fuck him, even though they're, they're your boss. And maybe if you don't fuck him, he'll fire you. No, 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 that can't. No, no, no. There can't be any larger implications for this behavior because it's all funny. Get it? Men only do that when they're really interested in you. And if they are, they're just creepy perverts and you ignore their behavior you don't report it to anybody if bridget jones's diary was being made today they'd have to excise mr tits pervert because (laughs) mr tits pervert who owns the publishing company apparently would be sued out of his goddamn mind he would be sued i mean oh steve (laughs) 
maybe it was fine. And it, you know, I'll say this. In movies up until recently, that was the message that was being sent out. Tough girls adore it, right? Oh, yeah. They just laugh it off. Ha, 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 ha. Even if they don't like it, just laugh it off. Hee, hee, hee. Or it's a genuine flirtation in the workplace. Right? Right? Right, Steve? <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But what message does it send to know? What is it telling people? Well, it's... If you Yeah. Ignore it. Yeah. Let it, let it roll off your back. It's no big deal. It's yeah, okay. no big deal. It's okay. Um, when Mark confesses that he really, really likes her, he has spent maybe a total, at best, three minutes talking to this woman. Yeah. At best. They have one evening in which they cook a meal together and they seem to get along just fine. And at the end of the movie, they're in love. Right? Right? Yeah, right, absolutely. They're, 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 yeah. And they're, they're meant the for each other. In the next movie, they get married and in the next one, they have a baby. Aww. <laughs> So remember, even if the guy's a total asshole who has the emotional range of a garden slug, if he says he likes you and also happens to be from a rich family, hmm. thumbs up, you've done it. Grab on and don't let go. This movie has the gall to state at the very beginning what she wants to accomplish. Right? Yeah. Stop smoking, not drink as much. But was there anything mentioned about a career? Nope. nope. Lose weight. Lose weight. <laughs> Find a boyfriend. Find a boyfriend. That's it. She's one of those fail upwards people as well. She can just leave her job and get another one. <laughs> yep. Become really great at that, but not without the help of men. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? She only gets hired at the other place because I guess that boss wants to fuck her too. That's because yeah. that's funny. All of her embarrassing situations seem to have something to do with her ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or her not making sense when she's talking. She apparently has some sort of psychological condition that makes her want to say the things that she's thinking rather than not say them, right? Yeah. We actually see her in internal debate several times before she before she says what she actually says. The script um, can pass as clever, but it's not. Yeah. It's just the same horseshit. Maybe the dialogue's a little bit better because it's British and they have a wider vocabulary. Who knows who gives a fuck? I don't care. <laughs> it's the same tropes. Ultimately, this is a woman who wants to find a man. And in the end, she finds a man. Which man is it going to be? Is it going to be the man with so many danger signs on him you can't see the man past the danger signs? Or is it going to be the boring man? Well, it turns out this time it's the boring man, right? Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yippee. <laughs> what fun. It's literally just a... F this one is the fantasy she gets the, the, the rich, everyone describes him as, as gorgeous, right? Yeah. Everyone keeps saying how gorgeous he is. So she gets the gorgeous rich guy at the end. Great. That's not entertaining to me. I may, I understand it might be entertaining to other people. I get that. But it's not entertaining to me. What I want is to see, I don't care if, if her end game is to find a man. That's fine. But at least give me a character that I actually fucking like yeah she's not a, she's not a terribly nice person <laughs> she 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 has a low opinion about almost everybody in her life including her friends yeah and maybe that's just the honesty of her writing in her diary i don't care i need to be able to like this person to root for her and i don't like this person because she, all she seems to care about is her weight and she keeps making promises she doesn't develop anything she's still smoking at the end of the movie <laughs> Yep. She's still drinking. And after watching it, I'm like, what did I just experience? I just watched this woman flip-flop back and forth and, 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 and have a series of unbelievable adventures. Somehow she has this gigantic apartment in the <laughs> middle of London. In London, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and where she works as a... 
Some something book. to do She's with publishing. She's a book person. <laughs> she she has a desk. Boy, I'm so glad she worked so hard for three weeks at the book publishing company, mm. so that she can have an undefined job at yeah. the at the at the. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the thing: the scripts are lazy. <gasps> Just because they talk in British accents and use big words doesn't make the scripts any less lazy. It's the same laziness that we got in Love Actually. Oh, God. Yeah. So do I like it? No, I don't. <laughs> it's it's a it's a dated, awful... It's hard to watch now, literally, watching what she's going through and knowing that they put that in there as humor. Right. I'm not saying that you can do that and make a comedy out of it. 9 to 5 did that 20 years before this movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> In which the women were heroes. That was the point of it. Because it's kind of an important topic. Here it's a throwaway topic that she just has to occasionally deal with. And they put in his little gags throughout the movie. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't like it. I don't recommend it. If you like it, great. But no. Steve, <laughs> recommend something. Um, not classic. Not a classic. Not recommended. Uh, yeah. I Well, I'm going to recommend a romantic comedy that I mostly like. For someone who doesn't like romantic comedies, you always seem to have a romantic comedy to recommend. Well, Steve, I, you I'm not that? sure what the hell I'm going to recommend next year because this is this is like <laughs> the only one I can think of uh, that I ha- I did Roman Holiday and like uh, whatever. Um, and I'm not exactly. I may have already recommended this one. I'm not positive, but if I did, whatever. It's you're you're stuck with it now because I already. Is wrote it, it Lolita? No, it's, it's low, yes, it's Lolita. Um, <laughs> no, I should have recommended Lolita actually. Um, <laughs> It's a better movie than this. Um, I'm recommending a movie that came out a year after Bridget Jones uh, that also stars Hugh Grant called About a Boy. It's not what I would call a great movie. No. But it is so much better than Bridget Jones's Diary. It has the same problems as this movie and as most romantic comedies in that it is incredibly formulaic and predictable uh, and relies very heavily on well-worn tropes but it at least usually makes a bit of an effort to subvert expectations slightly to put a little bit of a more creative spin on the the you know the beats and the formula than a movie like the one we just reviewed did. did. Uh, I think it was it was really overpraised at the time. People were like really just giving it these incredibly generous reviews, and, uh, and I thought it was good. And I'm recommending it because I think it's a lot better than Bridget Jones's Diary. I don't think it's like a great movie, but it's a good Hugh Grant movie. It's another one of his sort of post Bridget Jones roles where he's not playing the floppy haired, cute, charming guy anymore. He's playing the asshole uh, who, in this case, he's the asshole who learns a lesson you know and uh there is there's a couple lines in it that i've always remembered like there's there's a um a conversation he has early in the movie with some of his friends where they say they i think they want to make him like the godfather for their child and he's like oh no no don't do that that's a terrible idea and like why would you want me to you know be in charge of your children and they say oh well we always thought that you know you had hidden depths and he says, oh, no, you've always got that wrong. I, I really am this shallow. And, uh, and I've always remembered that because Hugh Grant delivers it in the best way you possibly can for that line. And I appreciate it when actors, do, uh-huh. when, when actors work miracles with really obvious, terrible lines. Um, and anyway, it's not, a, it's not a great movie, but it's a good movie. And it's a much, much better example of if you're going to do like a cliched, trope-filled romantic comedy, it's difficult to get 
it to get it much better than it it, it has gotten in uh, about a boy so that is my recommendation does he fall in love with the boy is that the romantic yeah part? it's really understand. it's kind of gross actually uh yeah sick what's wrong with he you? falls in- <laughs> And lots of subway product placement, which you know, in hindsight, is, ah, it makes perfect kinda, sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, but it's also kind of gross. Um, but yeah, anyway, there you go. That's my recommendation. Well, unlike Steve, I'm going to recommend a good movie. <laughs> as you guys know, <laughs> I like to recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and the year is 2001. And the movie I'm recommending is Sexy Beast. Good night, everybody. Oh. <laughs> Ben Kingsley, Ray Winstone, Ian McShane. Do I need to say anything else? No, but I will. It's a crime. It's a dark comedy crime drama thriller thing. And it is possibly Ben Kingsley in his best performance captured on film. Yeah. It is, he plays a character named Don Logan, and you will never forget that character after you've seen it. Right? Oh, my God. And he's not even in the whole movie. And you still stick around to watch the rest of the movie after he's not in it anymore. And I'm not going to say anything else if you haven't seen it. Go fucking see Sexy Peace. Jeez Louise. <sighs> Steve, you like Sexy Beast. It's so good. For anyone who hasn't seen it, without spoiling anything, there's there's a scene with Don Logan on an airplane <laughs> that is so funny and so uncomfortable. It's it's amazing. It's like a short mm-hmm. film unto itself. And yeah, Ben yep. Kingsley is just amazing in the whole movie. He's he's if you if you're used to seeing Ben Kingsley and you remember him as, you know, from Schindler's List or Gandhi or something like he's so different in Sexy Iron Beast. Man 3. Iron Man. You know, Iron Man 3 he was he, yeah. Uh but I mean, he's yeah, he's amazing. It's I I agree. Mm-hmm. I think I think it is his best performance. Yeah. yeah. Hey Steve. Yeah, man. Guess what time it oh, is? Oh boy, it's 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 time to decide whether we're gonna have a good show next time or a bad show next time. It's time for you to make a terrible choice. Oh yeah, here we go. Okay. It's this time that I have randomly picked mm. three movies. Steve does not know what those movies are, nope. and he has to blindly select one, and that will be the movie we will review on our next show. Mm. So Steve, mm-hmm. A, B, or C? C. Oh. <laughs> I'm starting to rethink this whole selecting thing, dude. You shouldn't give me this power if you don't want me to use it. No, I mean, I I don't even know if it's been 50-50. I took the 50-50 out of it by making it a a selection of three. That's true. Ever since then... It's it's not been good. (sighs) So all of these movies had a common theme. Okay. Had you selected A, we would have reviewed one of my favorite movies ever. The science fiction alien alien invasion movie from 1953, War of the Worlds. Oh, man. Had you selected B, we would have gotten the kind of dippy, kind of serious, probably the last good movie he ever made, M. Night Shyamalan's alien invasion movie, Signs. Oh, I like that movie. So do uh. I. Don't know why. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it has to do with the performances, I think. Oh, yeah, big time. Because the plot itself is shit. <laughs> <laughs> it has some holes. Last, That's the last good Mel Gibson movie. Oh, yeah. But you chose C. I did. Oh. Okay. And while this may not technically be an alien inv- invasion movie, it does have aliens that have av- in- invaded. Okay. The next movie we're going to review is a movie based on a cartoon and toy line. Oh, boy. From the 1980s. Oh, boy. Starring Shiloh the Beef. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and it's called Transformers. Oh, good. 
Oh, good, good. Steve. I'm, I'm so good sorry. Job. You know, you, you know who I feel the sorriest for is myself because I'll have to actually watch it now. Yeah, yeah I have to watch. I've it. never, You've never seen. I've it? never seen it. Oh, you poor, oh, you poor sweet little angel. Because I love the cartoon and I saw the commercial and I was like, nope. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's so nice when I get to stamp out another one of your little lights. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, there you go. See, look on the bright side. <laughs> so if you guys want to get all the jokes, Oof. then you'll watch Michael Bay's mm. Transformers. Yay. And that's it. Thanks for listening into the show. Uh, until next time, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. And remember, after all, it's only a diary. Everyone knows diaries are just full of crap. What are you talking about? This is. Do you mean? Wait a minute. Uh-huh. Are you saying that the diary of Anne Frank isn't yeah. like isn't authentic? It's, it's all made uh, up. It's just full of crap. It's a, all of it's it, a, like hiding from the Nazis, and and then eventually it just kind of ends. There's no ending to uh-huh. it. Yeah, well, is it because she got? Huh? It's a diary, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, diaries are just full of crap. I'm. I mean, I'm you. sorry. <laughs> Oh, so now it's a thought crime. Now it's a thought crime crime. to think the diaries are full of crap. Because you're saying Anne Frank is a big liar. Uh, She exaggerated everything. They were actually in a condo out in the mountains. (laughs) I'm an Anne Frank truther. (laughs) Open your eyes. Think about. I don't want to continue down this path because the jokes just get worse. Yeah, Steve. exactly. We're 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 going to give everybody a demonstration in a minute of why we'll never do a Schindler's List episode if we keep <laughs> if we keep going down this Anne Frank. If bit. we go keep going down the Anne Frank thing, yeah. it wasn't Nazis. It was her nosy neighbors. <laughs> they kept interrupting her masturbating. It sounds like. The- oh, by the way, guys, that's something that very few people know about the Diary of Anne Frank. <laughs> The version you read in school isn't the complete version of it, is it? They, they did well. You know, they cut out a few things. They cut out a lot of what happens when you have a preteen that is all of her hormones start exploding while locked in an attic, <laughs> <laughs> and she's in love with her cousin. Look, shit. Look, shit happens. It's a difficult. Not time. according to you, because all diaries. All diaries. I mean, look, I, it's. I like the idea of the Nazis being her wacky neighbors because I can imagine like some just terribly misguided like 1980s sitcom adaptation. Yeah, and they come over. Can you spare a cup of Zyklon B? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Okay, we gotta stop. We've gotta stop. This is why we're never doing a Holocaust film, you guys. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Can I borrow a cup of Zyklon B? Holy shit, I feel so bad. Oh, you should. Uh, you should. You know what you know what you Yeah, I know I should. Do you know do you know what, what the worst part is? Is that those what? that that just came out of you. I know it did. That was inside like it's you. Been waiting. Yeah. It's been waiting. It's been waiting. It was inside you all this time. Bye everybody. Bye everybody. <laughs> I need to call my doctor. <laughs> Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. 
Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.